Good evening, brethren. It's good to be with you. Now, we live in a world with many different voices, many different worldviews, many different persuasions that people hold. Why we are here, what is the meaning of our existence, what is our destiny, etc. I'm not going to go into all of that because it would be it wouldn't be profitable, but I say that to point out that no matter what a person is persuaded of, most rational thinking people have a conscience, a sense of right and wrong. Not only do they have a sense of right and wrong, but they're not comfortable with being wrong. Nobody is comfortable with willingly and knowingly being wrong. Who wants that desire? They do not... They only not want to live a life that they're comfortable with, but they feel a need to be justified in how they live and what they're doing. It's human nature. However, what is right is right, and what is wrong is wrong, no matter what people call it in order to justify their lifestyle. If a person calls good evil, that does not automatically make it so. And if a person calls evil good, that does not make it so either. Morality is not subjective, as many today suppose. Morality is not like a, 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 a voting. We don't vote on morality. However, just the fact that morality exists, that people have this sense of right and wrong is a confirmation that righteousness must also exist as well. And indeed it does. You see, we have been made in the image and similitude of God who is righteous when we see a person committing a serious crime, most people demand that justice be served. Each and every one of us at the core of our being knows that there are some things that are just not right. Everyone has an idea of what to do and what not to do, what is appropriate and what is inappropriate, down to the very words that they may speak. However, this image has been corrupted by sin. So now a person who demands justice for the sins of others now hides and seeks to justify their own sin. When others are caught in a serious offense, they must pay. But if they are caught in a serious offense, now it's time to beg for mercy. In other words, by nature, men judge others at a higher standard than them on their own selves. And so a person's perspective, we find, is naturally skewed when it comes to their own self. And just think about how every child shares the same trait from birth, selfishness. And this natural corrupted image becomes further corrupted by the environment and the upbringing of a person in it. It grows in proportion to the sinful environment it is in. It drives a person further and further into bondage. And this sinful nature alienates a person from God, so, and it fully controls that person to work the things that are contrary to God. And if a person's sinful nature is not restrained, it will only move them further and further away from the righteousness of God. They will become utterly delusional. They will call good evil and evil good. And in our pleasure-driven society, it has caused all sorts of ungodliness to increase, and in the name of freedom and progress, no less. 
And it's the only reason why governments were set up by God to restrain the sinful nature of men to express themselves fully. The role of government is to punish those who do evil and to reward those who do good. And I'm not going to say any more about government, but whether the sinful nature is restrained or not, and think, we thank God that he left it not fully unrestrained. He gave us governors and rulers. See, no set of laws could change it. No set of rules could change this sinful nature. It could only keep it in check, so to speak. The sinful nature we all inherited from Adam is something that no law can change or could ever change. And our sinful nature had to change. It has to change. Jesus said, whatever judgment you judge towards others, it'll be measured back to you. He said that he's appointed a man in which he will judge the world by his standard of righteousness. So believe me, this, this nature has to change. Not only do we need forgiveness from the sin that we'd already committed, but we needed a change. So I'm going to declare that God did something about that. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, in the likeness of sinful man. Jesus, a glorified member of the Godhead, the only begotten son of God, actually had to become a man. He had to come down from heaven and he had to live with us. He had to lay down his life and take it up again because in order for you to be forgiven and have a new sinless nature, one man had to live perfectly and die for sin. That man is Jesus Christ, the son of God, and he gives life to all those who believe in him. To those then who believe this record and have put their faith in God, during the operation of God in baptism, they are made new creatures in Christ. Now there is something new in you. See, when you believed God, that he put something new in you. Something that was never there before. A desire that pulled us towards him. Not away from him. A desire that causes us to say no to what's wrong. And yes to what's right. To discern good and evil. Above all, no longer are you alienated from God. In Christ, all of your sin has been forgiven, and you are no longer bound by a sinful and fallen nature. But that is not the end of the matter, but the beginning of life in Christ. Your body, which is still the vile and corrupt body of Adam, seeks to express itself at any given opportunity. There is at the same time a pull towards things that are not right that come from the flesh. And at the same time, your new nature drives you towards the God who is saving you. And this is called the spiritual warfare that we find ourselves in, the good fight of faith. But then there's grace. Grace is like a fuel. It's like an enabler. When we are tempted to do the wrong thing, we have access to this God who distributes grace to help in the time of need. We can go to God believing and he will give us what we need to overcome in that moment. Grace can manifest itself as peace in chaotic environments and it manifests itself as determination and courage where other men's hearts would fail 
It can cause a person to deny what others would embrace, seeing that it, it causes and directs a person to focus on the hope, a better and an enduring substance. You see that the heavenly far outweighs the earthly. So then why? Why do some people still sin? Even Christians. Either they do not know this, or they are living farther away from God than they ought to. The problem isn't that anybody can't help but sin. The problem is a proximity to the living God. When a person lives for God and not for themselves, when they do everything as unto God and not as unto men, when they make it their aim to know the will of God and to press in to know him and to forsake all to follow him, when a person is very near to God and not distracted by the things of the world, then they will be moved to ask for help in the time of need. As a person walks in the spirit and puts to death the sinful nature daily, they are now in a posture where they can begin to know more about God. And this is multiplied as they receive the things revealed in the church. It's an abundance. God has an abundance for us. And you begin to grow in his likeness. As you gaze upon the person of Christ, you are transformed from glory into glory. It's impossible for a person to grow in the likeness of God and to be the same. A person who is making advancement in the faith and who is becoming mature in Christ finds that more and more of the things that they once saw pleasant or not actually that bad actually become offensive. There is an aversion and a hatred for the things that you have, may have once found yourself desiring. This is my experience. And this is the experience of all the saints of God, of all the household of faith who are born again. And no one can take this from us. No one can take your testimony from you. We and the people... Ourselves and other people can testify that we've changed, that we're not how we used to be. Now, we admit that we may not be what we want to be, but praise God, we are not what, who we used to be. Thank the Lord with me tonight for his great salvation, for it is truly just that. It's a great salvation. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are thankful that you have delivered us from the flesh and from the, the, the way that we used to walk. Lord, we're thankful for this new and living way that you've given to us and that your yoke is easy and that your burden is light and that you've given us new holy desires. Lord, we pray that we would feed that new man tonight, that we would grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and grow up in the Christ in all things and take advantage of the abundance that's in Christ. Help us, Lord, to, to speak the truth in love one to another and for us to make advancement in the faith. Help us to behold together the glory of the Lord and be changed from glory into glory. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.